in Philippians. <clears throat> we are we're in the beginning of the of the new year. And so I thought it fitting to um, to begin laying out what is going to be our vision for this year. And every year, right about this time, I lay out the vision for our church. Uh, last year, our, our vision for the church was by faith. And that was all we put, by faith. And that way we could put in front of that or behind it, whatever. And it allowed for our church to be able to move in multiple directions. And I'll tell you that, that uh, the Lord definitely has blessed us. I mean, we are a blessed people. And if you agree with that, I'm going to ask you to say amen. We are, we are uh, blessed beyond measure, honestly. If we were to sit here and, and, and recount over this past year the blessings that we've received, you wouldn't be able to count them. And the truth is, is you probably don't even know all the ways that the Lord has even blessed you. Because he does it in secret sometimes. He's sneaky. He's like a ninja. He just swoops in. He's like, boom, blessing here. And you're like, I didn't know that he even did that. All of a sudden, something just good and amazing happened. And a lot of times, we just, we just go, man, that was, I was really lucky today, wasn't I? It wasn't luck. I don't believe in luck. I say it a lot, and it probably sounds like I do, but God is over everything, and he is sovereign, and he is good. Amen? And so, so, we, uh, so we come here today, and today I'm going to lay out for you some things, but we're going to be taking a look at, at Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to lay out a few things, and then, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a sort of, and, and, and you'll, you'll see, hopefully, it'll all come together and make sense to you. But the vision for this year, sort of the, the tag, like I said, last year it was called By Faith. This one is called I Have Decided. I Have Decided. And notice it's an unfinished statement, because I can't finish that statement for you. I know what I've decided, and many times, just as you heard me in my prayer, we make these New, Year, New Year's resolutions, don't we? Oftentimes, it's, it's big and grand, like, ooh, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year, right? It ain't happening with me. I'd like to think it's going to happen. I would love to believe that it's going to happen. That boy's going to stay fat. And I'm just, I'm just being real. I eat Doritos at night. Sean said, stop. I said, I can't. They're addictive. They're so good. And a big glass of milk with it. Mm. I ain't losing 50 pounds. It ain't going to happen, church. And you all got me a Blackstone for crying out loud. I am cooking on the thing. It's amazing. But you know what I can do is I can decide to believe in and trust in and follow Jesus, amen? I can do that. And so we're going to be talking about what this looks like, what this means. So take a look there at Philippians chapter 3. helps if I actually get to Philippians. I was like, that doesn't look like the text I was preparing. It says in chapter 3, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. 
to write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now even tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. And they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. This, this text given to us by Paul, he lays out, some really good stuff here. You know, he, he's talking about, you know, rejoice in the Lord. He says, I'm writing all these things to you. In, in verse 1, he says, it's no trouble. No trouble at all for me to do this. But then in verse 2, he immediately jumps into a warning, doesn't he? Verse 2, he says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Look out for the dogs. Paul here is referring to the uh, Judaizers. 
Judaizers were basically Jewish Christians who believed that Jews had to follow the Mosaic law and that Gentiles have to be circumcised in order to be saved in obedience to Jewish law. So basically, the Judaizers, the Jewish Christians, were like, we're better than you Gentiles. That's basically what they were saying. We're better than, than you Gentiles. Matter of fact, really, you all don't belong here. But if you are going to belong, you're going to need to get circumcised because that's what the Old Testament law is. Now, when Jesus came, didn't he do away with the law? He came and he fulfilled it, didn't he? And we didn't, we didn't have to do those things anymore. And so when you consider these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians, they're coming out and all of a sudden they're holding on to two things. They're going, we want Jesus, we, we like what he's doing, but I'm not willing to give up the old traditions that bind us together. Well, that's not how Jesus works. It's not how he operates. And it's some of the reason, for, and, and many other reasons as well, that got him killed. Because the Jewish people just couldn't fathom what Jesus was doing. How dare he come in and change up what they knew. We've always done it this way. Doesn't that sound familiar, church? But we've always done it this way. You see, we, we've always done this particular ministry, or we've always done that particular ministry. We've, we've always had the pews set up this way. We've never had a drummer before. How dare we get somebody up here with an electric guitar? I can't believe that you would have, you know, a female up there singing. Heaven forbid you have a female worship minister or, or a female youth minister. There's a lot of churches that would straight shut me down today because of just those two things. But I'll tell you right now, Scripture doesn't say one iota about either of those. There's nothing in Scripture that says that a female cannot be your youth minister. Not one area. You see, we have to stop worrying about what tradition is, and we have to start believing in what Jesus says, and what Jesus does, and what Jesus leads us to. We have to stop just holding on to the ways of the past just because it's the way it's always been done. We can't do that. If you've not noticed, Christianity is shrinking around you. We are a dying breed. People don't believe in Jesus Christ anymore. You want to know why? Because for many Christians, they're no different than the Jewish people saying, you have to do it this way. When Jesus Christ said, you call on my name, you believe in me, you trust in me, and you will be saved. When did we get the opportunity to change that? When did we get the opportunity as a church, as a people, to say, you know what? You don't get to just do what Jesus said. You have to do it the way I say you have to do it too. You want to be able to walk through those doors? You have to do it and conform to the way that, the way that we do it here. See, I don't wear a three-piece suit up here in front of you today. Some would like me to because it's tradition. I will not wear a three-piece suit ever unless i am marrying you or burying you and most of the time i wear the same suit 
take that for what it's worth, right? The truth is, tradition means nothing. Sometimes it's nice, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's really good to hold on to things and do things because it makes sense or it's cool or whatever, but, but we, at the end of the day, it can't be what defines us, can it? You see, Paul is warning against these Judaizers and saying, that's not how it's supposed to be. Even way back then, you had someone standing up going, stop with the tradition already. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and going, you know, you know I think we, we, we've all, for the last 30 years, I don't care what we did 30 years ago. What I care about is what Jesus is leading us to today. And that's the only thing that should matter. He, he lays out, he says, you know, we who are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God, the glory in Christ Jesus, we put no confidence in the flesh. But then he starts to lay out all these things sort of about himself, doesn't he? He says, though I myself have reason to be confident. All of a sudden you start to look at him and you're like, what are you doing, Paul? Like, what are you doing, man? Well, like, where, where are you going with this? He says, if, if anyone else thinks that he has reason for confidence of the flesh, he says, I have more reasons than you to be confident in the flesh. And all of a sudden you're like, like Paul's a little conceited, you know? Like, Paul thinks a little highly of himself, doesn't he? He, he starts to lay out all these things. He says, he says, I've got more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Like, that's pretty bold, isn't it? He's like, if you're a Hebrew, I'm a better one. Ha <laughs> ha, of all the Hebrews, I'm the Hebrewist. Right? I mean, I mean, that's what he's doing here. And he's talking to these people and he's laying out this message. He says, as to the law, I was a Pharisee. You can't get higher than me almost. Like, I was way up here in the grand scheme of things and leadership. That's the zeal. I was a persecutor of the church, man. I put Christians down. Like he's he's like boasting about this thing. And you're going, that's when you were Saul, wasn't it? Like, like, why are you boasting about it? But see, that is who Paul was. He was circumcised on the eighth day, as was Old Testament law. He was an ethnic Israelite. He knew from what tribe he came from. Not everybody knew that. He knew that he had come from the tribe of Benjamin. He was the Hebrewist of all Hebrews, which meant likely he even came from a long line of ancient Jewish ancestors. Some of the uh, scholars believe that he possibly even spoke Aramaic. That's the really old language. He was of the strictest of all the religious sects that were out there. The Pharisees were the ones that you had to watch out for. They'd shut you down in a heartbeat. And his zeal was that he was this persecutor of the church. He went around. He actually locked up, chained up, and, and rejoiced in the killing of Christians. And according to Jewish law, and the reason he's laying this out is he says, according to Jewish law, I'm considered blameless. Do you see what he's doing there? He's like, I'm perfect when it comes to the Jewish law. I uphold all of it. But see, what he does next is what begins to define. He says in verse 7, he says, But whatever gain that I had, as awesome as all of those things are in the Jewish tradition, as amazing and blameless as I, as I appear to be, 
before all the Jewish leaders and before these Judaizers. And, and everything that I had, he says, I count it all now as loss. It was worthless. It meant nothing. And as a matter of fact, it's what, it's what allowed for him to have a one-way ticket to hell. And he knew that. Well, not knew that then, but he knows it now. He says, I count everything now as loss. Everything is loss. The only thing that's worth knowing is Jesus Christ. Knowing him alone, that's the only thing that's worth anything now. In other words, giving up everything that I was, everything that I had, so worth it to just simply follow Jesus. And he knew, he found the importance of that. All that he had, his previous power, his previous uh, prestige, his, his previous obedience to the Jewish law, every bit of that now falls underneath the loss category. Whereas before, and for those who still believe that way, they felt like they were up on high. But Paul counts it all as loss, and he says, he says everything, everything that he had gained, he called it rubbish. Rubbish. This is awesome because when I used to go to Elk Creek Baptist Church, and you all may, some of you may remember Mr. Josh McFarland, who came and preached for me here one time. He was my first mentor. And he preached this same thing. <clears throat> and he went over this exact verse, and he, 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 just like I'm getting ready to do for you, he explained it. Rubbish in Hebrew means garbage waste, or dung. It's poop. And I looped him in the service and sent it to him on his phone, him going, it's poop, it's poop. And we just did that over and over and over. It lasted for like five minutes. He was like, dude, you're crazy. But, but I was so taken aback by this preacher standing behind the pulpit and going, Paul says that it was all rubbish. It's poop. It's crap, as you all have heard me say. It's dung. It's garbage. It's utter waste. He says, why? Why would you follow any of that? It's not worth it. It's not worth it to follow any of that. And remember back in, in verse 2 where he was referring to the dogs. Remember, he said to watch out for these dogs because all they're producing is waste. You have to make sure that you are, are paying attention to what is happening around you. Are you following the law? Are you following the traditions? Or are you following Jesus? And then he says, not that I've already obtained this. Not that I've already obtained this. Not that I'm even perfect. He says, but then I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, I don't consider that I have made anything of my own. But one thing I do, he says, forgetting what lies behind, but straining forward to what lies ahead. You see, Paul knows he's not perfect. He is a sinner. He didn't realize it before Jesus, but he knows it now. He knows that he's a sinner. He knows that he can't do anything righteous on his own. He is no longer considered blameless. He knows that we must continue to push 
and strain and go forward. He knows that there is, there is more importance now on Jesus than anything else in his life, and that's the way that it should be. And he's now decided and is inviting everyone around him to make the same decision also. See, he made a choice. He made a decision to follow Christ. Now, he didn't make that decision of his, of his own accord. Remember, the Lord sought him. We don't pursue God. He pursues us. Okay? But then we, because we have free will, we have to make a choice, church. We have to choose. And you at some point will have to say, I have decided. And you're either going to choose Jesus or you're going to choose hell. That's your two options. There is no in-between. We love, you know, there's preachers out there that love to paint some sort of a little gray, air for you, gray area for you. You won't get that here. But then he says this, and, get, and I love this, because, you know, again, you can kind of look at this, and if you read it out of context, and a lot of people do, you go, well, wait a second, and Paul looks like he's starting to brag again, because he says, brothers, join in imitating me. You're like, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to be looking at Jesus here, right? He says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the examples that you have in us. He says, join in imitating me, he says, because I'm doing my best to imitate Jesus. That's the reason he's pointing people. He's like, if you don't know who Jesus is, then watch me. Watch me, and I'm going to help point you and guide you about who you should be imitating. So imitate me for just a second. And then once you know who Jesus Christ is, you can imitate him just the same way that I do. And guess what? It becomes, it becomes a cycle that begins to repeat itself. Because if, if I'm an imitator and a follower of Jesus Christ, and then you begin to imitate me, but then you form your own relationship with Jesus, then you begin to stop imitating me and imitate Jesus yourself, the next thing you know, you've got someone else watching you, don't you? And it goes on and on. And guess what? All of a sudden you begin to disciple people. And then one disciple leads to another disciple, and then another, and then another. You see, it, there's nothing wrong with saying, imitate me as long as I'm truly following the Lord. And hopefully, hopefully as your pastor, I'm coming before you and you see that I'm excited. Hopefully you see the things that I try to do, and I don't do them so that you'll say, ooh, watch, look at me, Greg's the whole, yeah. I do it because I feel that the Lord Jesus Christ calls me to do things, and I do them so that I can honor him. And to be truthful about it, I'm terrified not to. And that's right, too. I'm scared to not follow him. Because I know what, what the option is of not following him. The option of not following Jesus and giving your life to him and surrendering your life to him is hell. And I don't want that. And I certainly don't want it for anyone here today. So why would I not say, imitate me if it helps you? Because all I'm going to do is point you to the guy I'm imitating. And it's going to lead you to someone so much better than I am. Because in the grand scheme of things, I'm nobody, I'm nothing. But I am someone because he says so. I am worthy because he says that I'm worthy. I have value because he said your life is important and I will give mine for yours. You see, we have to, as a church, come to a realization that Jesus is everything. And we have 
to make a choice. So here's what I'm going to point you to this morning. If we were to go back to 2021, in 2021, two years ago, I guess if you, yeah, I guess technically it's almost three years ago, right? I'm bad at math. Like Amanda will tell you that. That doesn't really matter. What I'm trying to get at is that our average attendance then was 23 people on Sunday. I invite you to look around the room today. <clears throat> That's not me. That is, that is amazing. I don't know what you're holding up there, Timmy. What is that, 54? Is that what you're saying? We have 54 people here today. We have 54 people here today. Our average attendance in 2023 is now 57 on a Sunday. That is the Lord doing the work. You see, that is the Lord showing up and doing things that, that honestly I can't do, you can't do, but what we can do is we can open up our mouths and we can tell people and say, hey, you know what, you go to Bethlehem Baptist Church, you're going to hear the Bible. You're going to hear the word. It's not going to get sugar-coated. It's not going to get watered down. You're going to get to hear what things are. In 2023, we had five salvations. We had 11 baptisms. This church has lit up in ways that it hasn't in a long time. And I praise God for everybody who has come before me to help lay a foundation. I, I praise God for all the people who have helped mentor me and train me because they helped me to do what I do every single week. And I give God all the credit, all the, all the, the praise because, because he's the one that's saying, do this and don't be afraid. Get up there, speak the word, and don't care if somebody gets up and walks out the door. Because if you're speaking my truth, then that's where they were supposed to be heading. You see, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. And his truth is what matters. We may not like what this thing says. Sometimes it's hard to swallow, isn't it? Sometimes there's messages in here that you're just like, oh, why, God? And he goes, because I said so. Isn't that amazing? You just gotta, you just gotta eat it, and I mean, all I can tell you is this: we are going to be making some strides this year, and I want to let just let you in on a few things that we're going to be looking at. Some of you know that we have a cemetery connected to the church. Some of you may not know that. Honestly, I didn't know that we still had a cemetery connected to this church until eight months ago, ish. I thought it was gone. I thought we had, another group had taken it over. I didn't know that we still owned it. But the truth is, is that we do. And the truth is, is that it was neglected. And the truth is, is that, that if those, are, those are members who have passed on. And those are members who deserve to be cared for and their families. And so we have stepped up. Our trustees and I, we got together. We got together with some of the families and, and said, listen, we're making a commitment to you to make a change in that. And so what we're going to be doing is, is uh, on Memorial Day, we're going to be taking up a love offering to help care for the cemetery. We're going to bring that back. That's a tradition we used to do. We got rid of it. But we're going to bring that one back because it's going to be helpful and it's needed. 
So we're going to bring back our, our cemetery offering, love offering. We're going to be going out and making plans to go out and have a cleanup day for Memorial Day so that we can gather up that cemetery and make it look nice. Hopefully, we're going to be able to go out and put some flags at the cemetery to, to uh, honor and memorialize those uh, Americans who, who have gone before us. We're going to be, uh, and actually this is already done, we're going to be updating our internet equipment here at the church. We actually had someone, uh, we just bought new internet equipment here. Um, it cost us $900. Well, we only had to pay 400 of that because some, someone very kind outside of our church said, I'm going to donate $500 for you to do that. And I give God all the praise for that. Because we so desperately needed it. I can't tell you how bad we've been struggling here. Some of you don't know because you're not behind the scenes. You don't see the things that it takes to put church service on on Sundays. And we were struggling. And so we, we now have proper equipment so that we can come and we can do the things that we do. And I give God the credit for that. We are, amen. We are, uh, we're updating some of our worship team equipment. You know, we've got stuff that's been up here forever, and we're slowly updating that. Uh, TJ, just as you saw earlier, he's training up our worship team. He's trying to move us forward. He just did this worship workshop. We've got good things that are happening and going on. And then we're also going to have a good emphasis on missions this year. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to change up the way that we've been approaching missions. Chelsea and I met this morning. Many of you know that Miss Chelsea is sort of our resident missionary here in the church. And so she and I were having a conversation. She was planning to go on a mission trip to Indonesia. But it seems as if maybe God isn't opening that particular door to her right now. And so what she and I talked about is, is every year we take up a, 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 an Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We take up a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so, so what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to change up how we're doing those two particular ministries. And we're going to begin, uh, Chelsea and I are going to work together, and she's going to help us to, to uh, define how we're going to give in those two key areas. You see, we already give, actually, to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. We already give to the uh, Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We do that through the Kentucky Baptist Convention. When we give our, our money to the Kentucky Baptist Convention every year, part of that money goes and and helps those two uh, missions already. We're even giving to children, uh, Sunrise Children's. And, and, and part of that money that we give goes there. So, so by, by changing up how we give in this other mission, we're going to stop sort of double dipping in those areas, and we're going to begin giving in missions, one international, one domestic here. And it's going to give us an opportunity to, to maybe plant churches in other countries. It might be a, give us an opportunity even to plant churches here. You know, Utah is lost. I don't know if you all know that, but it is the greatest mission field, one of the greatest mission fields that we have in the United States. You can go for hundreds of miles in Utah and not find one single church. Not one. It is mostly Mormon. It's ridiculous to think that here in the good old United States where I've got 12 Bibles sitting at home, they go hundreds of miles without one single Christian church. Appalachia is one of the poorest areas in the entire nation. And there's a mission field there waiting to happen. Even here in our little old Spencer County, only like 5% are Bible-believing people here in Spencer County. 
95% of Spencer County is lost. Scripture tells us that the harvest is ripe and ready. But it says that the laborers are few. And that's 100% true. We need to concentrate and have a better focus on our mission. And so what I would like to do is I would like to invite each and every one of you as I run through these to just simply um, think on these as, as I run through them. <clears throat> the, uh, see if, uh, see if this works. This is part of the new internet system, by the way. Um, so, <clears throat> remember, oh, and I, I, this is one I didn't tell you. So, as we are doing these, these uh, differences, changing up the way that we've done our ministry and our mission, we're actually going to create this, this missions category for our church, and we're just going to call it simply the Great Commission. And as we decide where and how we're going to be giving and how we're going to be serving, and hopefully we are going to be going and serving together, we're going to be doing this under the guise of the Great Commission because that is what we were told to do. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So as we, uh, as you see, like I said, our, our, our new vision for the year is going to be, I have decided. But what we have to do first is decide what, what we're done with. So, so church, I would like for you to just decide that it's not just simply enough to show up on Sunday. The truth is, is it's not. It's not enough to just simply show up on Sunday. It's not enough just to simply check a box and say, I'm a Christian. Words really don't mean that much unless you've got action behind it. Are you willing to say, I've decided that it's not enough just to claim to be a follower of Jesus? Are you willing to say that it's not, that I've decided it's not enough just to give Jesus half of my heart and my life? The truth is, churches are full of those. Are you living for Jesus, or are you just half-heartedly living for Jesus? It's tough, but you have to make a choice. Because I'm telling you that, that I have decided. I have decided as your pastor. I've decided that I'm giving my life to Jesus. I have decided that along with giving my life to Jesus, that I'm going to say yes to him. And then the last one is that I'm going to follow Jesus. And if that is you today, I'm going to ask you to stand if you're willing to right here, right now, today, to say, I have decided these three things, to give my life to Jesus, to say yes to Jesus, and to follow Jesus, I want you to stand with me today. And understand that when you do this, you're not making the promise to me. You're making a promise to Jesus himself. You can lie to me all day long. Don't lie to Jesus. It will not turn out good for you. You do not want to lie to the Lord. You don't want to smite the Lord. You don't want to cause any sort of condemnation to fall down upon your head. But here's what I can tell you. Is that you decide to do this, you will be blessed. But don't lie to Jesus and do this half-heartedly. 
Don't lie to Jesus and say, I go to church every now and again. Don't lie to Jesus and say, I said I would do this, but I really ain't going to do it. The truth is as well that if you make this claim and you say, I've decided that, that I want to give my life to Jesus, say yes to Jesus, and follow Jesus, if you don't do these things, you're bound for hell anyway. This is the only way, because Jesus tells us that in John 14, 6. I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through who, church? Jesus. He's the only way. You stand here today, and this is a commitment that you're making. And we do it together as a church. It's the beginning of a new year. We have an opportunity to move, press on, strain toward the goal of what lies ahead. And we can forget about all the junk in the past. And there's a lot to weigh us down, isn't there? There's a lot out there that can just simply weigh us down. But we can choose to just simply say, you know what? God's got that. I'm going to press on. I'm going to strain towards the goal. And I want us to do it together as a church. And we can. And this church could be busting at the seams. Not because of me. Not because of the music. Not because of the, the youth ministry. But because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And other people are going to see that. And they're going to say, I want to be imitating that as well. Let's do it together. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Father, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And Lord, I thank you for this church who here today has made a commitment before you. Lord, I thank you for this church who has who is decided. I have decided, they said, to love you, to proclaim you, to say yes to you, to give my life to you, and to follow you. So God, give us what we need. Help us, Lord, to stay true to this commitment. Help us, Lord, to not fall away, to not become distracted, to not become another statistic. Help us, Lord, to see your vision and to follow it through. God, we give it all to you today. I ask, Lord, if there is anyone here who does not know you, that you would make yourself known to them, that your Holy Spirit would speak to their heart today, Lord, that you would help them even to come forward. Maybe kneel here at the altar. Lord, that if there's someone here today that just has a burden that is too heavy to bear, that they would come and that they would lay it down at your feet. That you, Lord, that you would call them, speak to their heart, and that they would know without doubt that you're speaking to them. And that they would respond just as they have committed to you here and now. I have decided to follow you, Jesus. Help them to make that commitment true right here, today, right now. Thank you. Lead us now as we close. Be with us, Lord. Help us to press on.